Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us revealed through him alone. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for your grace in our lives. And the only reason why we have life today is because we have Jesus Christ as Lord. We thank you for the opportunity we have to sing praise to your name. And now we come as we continue in worship to open your word and to look and to hear and listen to what you have to say to us from your word. We ask that you might grant us grace and mercy today that we might understand how you want us to live in the world in which you've placed us. Our time is not the time of another set of believers in the world. Our time is our time. So we must be faithful to do what you've called us to do in these last days, in this end of times. We pray that we might have seriousness about it. We pray for our boys and girls who are here, our students. We thank you for them. We thank you for these who represent the next generations. We pray for, we pray for the time that we have in your word because it is so, so hard with everything else in our life that we put in these days and this time. We ask now that you'd forgive us of our sins and that you would receive our praise and our thanks to you. We give thanks to you regardless of our circumstances today. We, we give thanks to you whether we're in happiness or sadness. And we're grateful for each day you give us and for, our, for the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Grant us now to have some time here, just a little time, with lack of distraction so that we might deeply think about your truth and so that it might affect the way we live for however many days you give us. This is our prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, good morning. If you have your Bibles, find your place in John's Gospel, John chapter 17. If you're a guest with us today, I'm Pastor Mike. If you're joining us online, God bless you. We always miss you when you're not here, but we are glad that we have this opportunity and this way to co connect with you. Well, for those of you who are part of First Baptist Church, I've been speaking to our church for some number of weeks uh, about this very important subject of how we're to live in the world. How, what does it look like for us to be followers of Jesus Christ in our world? Uh, as we think about that together, we've covered a lot of items together and I've, I've placed, as I try to do each time, we go through these uh, talks together. I, there's a uh, a little sheet out in the foyer, out in the area outside as you go out the door, and it does list all the things we've talked about week by week. If you're interested, you can also go back and listen to what was said uh, on, uh, on the website, and, and I hope that you'll do that. These words are for you. They're, they're for us. They're words to equip us so that we might be our best for God in the world in which we live. We started in Galatians 6. Paul giving a personal testimony, but it's the testimony of every believer here in this place. He said, I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. That's the testimony of every believer in this room. That's true of you. When you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you repented of your sins, you were crucified with Christ. And as a result of being crucified with Christ, you now live what's called a crucified life. You're crucified to the world. The world just doesn't fit anymore into your life. It just doesn't work. You've come out of the world. You've been called out of the world by salvation. And now you live for the Lord Jesus 
Christ. And so we're dead to the world and the world's through with you. You're, you're through with the world and the world's through with you. That's the way it works. But we're left here in the world because we have purposes that God wants us to accomplish. So I call you back to John chapter 17. We've been here for the last three weeks. And I wonder today, my dear Christian friends, when was the last time you sat down in your discouragement, in your happiness, in whatever kind of emotions you are in? I wonder when the last time you sat down and read this privileged chapter that God gave to John the Apostle by memory to put for us supernaturally in the Word of God of this prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ that He made in front of His first followers. And now it's for you. Have you read the Lord's Prayer for you recently? It's John 17. It's for you. It's for you in your despair. It's for you in your heartache. It's for you in your terror and your fears and your worries and your anxiety. It's for you. This is our Lord's prayer. While He was still on the earth, He prayed this heavenly, glorious prayer representing what I'll be talking about in some detail in the days ahead, the glorious truth of Christ as our high priest. So He speaks these words to us from this prayer. And he speaks them out loud so that the disciples would hear. And he lifted his eyes to heaven and he prays for you who are here today who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for all who ever will. I appreciate cards and notes and texts and I do and I appreciate them. And many of you are so kind to do that to me. And I thank you even these days with all of my sinus issues. I have more piles of lozenges and honey and and things that I appreciate, all, and home remedies. Some of you have sent me some amazing home remedies. I, some of them I'm not going to attempt. I'm not going to try them. But I appreciate it. That shows that you're trying to hear. One dear sister said, oh, when I heard you speak last week, and I thought, yes, you sounded terrible. Well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. I'm doing the best I can, but I hope I won't be a distraction today. That's not my goal. But oh, my friends, I just, I have a burden and my desire is that you really take up and learn to cherish John 17. So we read these words together. We cannot, we won't read it all for the sake of time, but we'll pick up beginning in verse number 13. Our primary focus will be verse number 18. Uh, but I want us to read through verse 21, John 17. This prayer is the Lord's prayer for you as a disciple. This is the Lord's prayer for you as a disciple. This is what the Lord's prayed for for you. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the word has hate and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. 15 I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now our focus. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. 
For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, this is for us now, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for these blessed, sacred, sweet words, precious words, this prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. The one whom you sent to be our Savior, our Lord, and our High Priest forever. We ask that today the Holy Spirit of God would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our focal truth today is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ sends believers. That's us in our generation. He sends believers into the world as His representatives. The Lord Jesus Christ sends believers into the world as His representatives. I want to make three observations to you from verse 17 and 18 today. Notice again what the Lord prays for us. Sanctify them. Sanctify believers in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We learn a lot about praying from listening to the Lord Jesus and reading these words of the Lord Jesus as He prayed. The Lord Jesus describes and speaks to God the Father about His obedience. Do you notice this? When you pray to God, do you only ask God for things or do you report to Him? And do you share with Him what you have done in obedience to Him to glorify His name? So there's much, and that's not the task I have here in John 17 this time today, but there's much to learn about how to pray from observing how the Lord Jesus prayed in John 17. I would suggest that to you in some of your own reading. Just pay attention to the way the Lord Jesus prayed and spoke with the Father uh, in this intimate prayer, because that's what it means to draw near to God. This is how you speak with God. This is how you talk with our Heavenly Father as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God. This is the beauty of this, that we see the Son of God speaking to God the Father. And it is such an example to us on how to pray. But today, we come to this very important phrase, as you sent me into the world, verse 18. I also have sent them into the world. First of all, Jesus Christ prayed for believers to be holy in the truth of the gospel. I'm using these words carefully. He prayed for believers to be holy in the truth of the gospel. And we'll say some more about that in just a moment. Secondly, God the Father sent Jesus Christ into the world to be the Savior of the world. This is the reason why the, that God the Father sent the Son, as John the Apostle says later. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is His mission. This is His purpose. And praise God, He was obedient to that so that we are here. Another generation of those. 
Until the day, coming of the day of the Lord Jesus, we are another generation of those, young and old, who have bowed the knee, believed in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He has risen from the dead and we have been saved, praise God, called out of a wicked world and now we live as transformed people, new creatures in Christ. That's what's happened because God the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And then finally, Jesus Christ, and I want to spend some time here, sends believers. He sent, Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father to the world, and now the Lord Jesus Christ sends us to the world on mission as His representatives. So let's come back and look again for just a moment at verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. See that word sanctify? In fact, let's read here just a few verses together. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Look at verse 19. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be, notice, sanctified in the truth. What's this word, Pastor Mike? Sanctified, it means to be set apart for a holy purpose. It means to take something that is common and remove it from being used commonly and to make it something used only for holy things. That's who you are as a follower of Jesus. You were saved and called out of the world to live as holy people. Holy in our words, holy in our ways, holy in our values. We're no longer attracted by the world. Yes, oh yes, it's a temptation to us all. We face it every day. We live in the world, but we are as we've spoken of. And the Lord said of us in this prayer, we're not of the world. We're not like the world. We're in it, but we're not like it. There are distinctives about who we are. We're salt and we're light. We carry in us the Holy Spirit of God. We are possessed by God now. We are not possessed by the spirit of the world, nor are we possessed by the spirit of the evil one. We are God's saved children in this world. And so because of that, we are set apart. And notice this, the Lord here prays for us to be sanctified in the truth. And the word of God is truth. And he says also, <coughs> excuse me, he sanctified himself by dying on the cross, obeying the Lord, doing what he called him to do in order that we might be sanctified in the truth. We have the death of Christ to make us holy, and we have the Word of God to keep us holy. This is very important. What did the psalmist say? How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young woman keep her way pure? Psalm 119.9, by keeping it according to the Word of God. You see, the Word of God to sanctify me cleans me up. Now, boys and girls who are here, I know your moms, you, they want you to be very careful when you go outside with your clean clothes, but it doesn't take long, and there you find uh, yourself in a mess. You're dirty, you've been out playing, and you have to come in, you have to get cleaned up. You have to clean yourself up when you've been out playing, and it's the same for us in the world. We're around it all the time, we hear it all the time, we listen to the language of it, we're affected by it. We have to draw some boundaries on how we deal with the world, my dear friends. It, it can be wearying to us as believers. It was to Lot. Lot was wearied by the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah as a righteous man. 
It was a burden and a wick, and it was a burden and a, a grievous thing to Noah living in the days in which he lived. It is the same for us today. We have to clean ourselves up because we are still in the world. The world has an effect on us. And I wonder today if you've taken your spiritual bath. You see, taking your spiritual bath is a part of taking God's Word to cleanse your mind. You see, the Word of God sanctifies us by cleaning our minds and our conscience. I'll just quote from what Paul says about husbands and wives as he's describing Christ and his love for the church. This is Ephesians 5, 26. Love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, listen to the language, having cleansed her, the church, by the washing of water with the word. So there is a washing that takes place in your mind and in your conscience when you take the Word of God. That's why I appeal to you all the time. How much are you reading God's Word? How much time are you spending in God's Word? How much time do you use it to memorize it? How much time do you use to meditate on it? How much time do you spend studying it? That's what we're here as believers together to do, to disciple one another, to learn how to get a firm grip on God's Word. It cleanses us. The Lord says, sanctify them in the truth. It not only cleanses us, but the Word of God teaches us the truth. Look, people all around us declare they know the truth. In fact, the world's truths are the devil's lies. They sound good. They look good. They appear good. But just look where they lead. Look where the world's truths lead. They lead to death and destruction. You see, there is truth, the truth of God given to us in the Word of God, and there are the lies of the world. And the danger all of us have here today is that we're taught to blend these together. You can't blend them together. They don't fit. They never go together. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. The truth of God teaches us how to expose lies and errors. The Word of God is your help. The Word of God is the light. If you do not take the Word of God and put it in you, you'll have no defense against what the world declares to be the truth. So what's the Lord saying? He's praying for us to use the Word of God to help us maintain our holiness in a world of unholiness. Look, your children need to know, parents, as we spent all that time uh, months ago talking about as for me and my house, your children need to know the importance of God's Word in their daily life and using it in order to expose lies and errors. You won't always be there to say to your children, well, that's not really true. You must teach them to understand the truth of God's Word and measure it against what the world calls its truths and see where there is truth and error. So the Word of God the Word of God is a weapon for us. It is that which keeps us clean. I ask you today, have you taken your spiritual bath in God's Word? Secondly, God's, God the Father sent Jesus Christ into the world to be the Savior of the world. The Lord says in verse number 18, As you sent me into the world. Now, let's think about this for a moment. The Lord repeatedly says this phrase, 
He declares it to everyone in his ministry life. I've been sent by God the Father. I have been sent. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you hear me speak, you hear God the Father speak. If you see what I do, this is what God does. He declares himself to be the representative, the one sent from God. He declares himself as God in flesh. The Lord Jesus knew his mission. He understood that he was sent by God. And I'm going to say this to you. Sometimes we don't think about this, but you can never be saved unless you believe that God the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You cannot be saved. If you come at it some other way, you think Jesus was just some kind of man born and he had some special gift placed on him and he just was like everybody else. <clears throat> no, 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 no. You see here as we read John 17, just follow me through with your eye and let's just read a few verses. Verse 3, this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, please notice, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. You know God through the one whom he sent, Jesus Christ. Let's go on. Verse number eight, we read it before. We'll go up to verse seven. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, please look at the language, I have given to them. And they received them and, th and truly understood that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. And verse number 21, we just read it. That they all may be one. He's talking about all the generations of those who will believe in Jesus Christ. That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, please notice, so that the world may believe that you sent me. How will the world know that God sent the Son through us who are his believers in the world? We are those who demonstrate that God sent the Son to be the Savior of the world by our presence in the world. I won't have you to, uh, well, also in verse number 23, he says, the glory which I've given to, the glory which you gave to me, verse 22, I've given to them. Think of this, you now have the glory of God in your life because you're saved. We're God's people, the glory of God rests on God's people. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Please notice, so that the world may know that you sent me. Not only that the world would believe that you sent me. Oh yes, there's something special about these people. Why are they different? Because the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and they have believed. And now they will know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. This is an astounding truth. We could spend the rest of our time talking about how the Lord lived his life with an awareness constant awareness that he had been sent from God. But I want to get to the last thing. Jesus Christ sends believers into the world to share the gospel with the world. With the same authority God the Father sent the Son, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is now he sends us who are his believers into the world. Notice 18, 17, 18. As you sent me into the world... I also have sent them into the world. Ryan tells me it's exciting to know that uh, close to, and only ministers of education can calculate these things. I didn't ask him how he figured it out, but 
Uh, it's exciting to see from his report that approximately 20% of this church has taken seriously the call about who's your one. So those ping pong balls keep filling up out there in that container. They represent an individual that you have on your heart that you are going to do what you, you took the time. You put their initials on there, their name, however you did it. You put it in there to declare your commitment to do what you can to share the gospel with that one person. We didn't ask you who's your 10. We didn't ask you who's your 20. Who's your 5? Who's your 50? Who's your 1? This is what we've asked this church. And I'm delighted to hear, I'm delighted to report that 20% of our people who attend this church have been faithful. And some, as Brother Tim said, have already shared the gospel. And there have been some who have believed and trusted the Lord Jesus. And we do want to know your story. If it's one you can share with us, we'd love for the church to know about it. I want you to think about this because it reminds us of our responsibility. We are representatives for Jesus Christ in the world. Look, your business may require you to wear the logo. Uh, your favorite ball team calls you to... How, who, who knows how much has been spent in this room on ball equipment with logos on them? Everybody's wearing a logo. Everybody's got their own mark. Everybody's got their own kind of emblems, but you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You, as you live in this world, have a mark on you. That's why you don't fit in. That's why you don't feel comfortable when you run with certain people. It's because something's different in your life. You now are a representative and you've been sent to do work for God. Now, some of the people in this room have been in the military. I don't know any of you were in the military who, when, you're, when you were commanded by your officers, uh, to, they sent you somewhere. You went and said, well, wait a minute, you, got, you probably made a mistake here. Don't you know all the things I'm doing here at my house? I'm very busy here, commander. I've got a lot of things going on. I've got a lot of things in play here. Uh, I, I don't know if I have time to do that. You really don't do that to a commander. You go where you're sent. And as you go, you go to do your work. There is a posture in the church today more of sitting than going. Of, of taking in rather than giving out. We're here gathered so that we can go out there. We're here so that we might draw strength and encouragement from one another because we have been sent. Did you know, I truly make this statement to you, listen, I understand the power of God, I understand the gospel of what He can do, but it takes God's people in order for the gospel to advance in the world. He does not send angels, He sends us. So we must go. So with that in mind, just in the brief time I have left, I want you to move your place from John 17. And let's go to what Paul says about this subject. It's famous and it's familiar to most of you in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. I'm going to make three brief observations about what it means to be a representative of God in the world, a representative of Christ in the world. I don't have to give you a shirt with it on it. I don't have to give you a hat with it on it or a hoodie. I don't have to give you some kind of notebook to carry around with it. You are already marked as a follower of Jesus. 
You live the logo. You are the representative. I'm simply saying, live up to who you are called to be. Live as a sent representative. That means you're sitting, but the Lord says, go over there. The Lord says, no, stop there and go over there. He's not calling us to a meeting to say, I suggest it. He doesn't say, as I've uh, suggested they go. He sends us. He is the one who gives the order. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is talking about his own ministry and the ministry of the apostles as ambassadors. He's not just talking about them. He's talking about a ministry and a responsibility given to every believer that can hear my voice today. What I say now in the next few minutes will, listen to me, I mean this sincerely. I mean it because I believe it for myself. When I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, one of those things I am accountable to say to him is what I have done with this ministry of sharing the gospel that he placed on me as a believer, not as a preacher. This is true for every one of you who are here. Boys and girls, you must learn to tell your friends about Jesus Christ and never be afraid. Students, you must stand up for Jesus Christ and you must share the gospel in a, among a bunch of people who will never be popular for you to say it. And all of you adults, wherever you find yourself day by day in all of the byways of life, until you're old to the last day of your life, you must share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Paul says several things. First, we're representatives, verse number 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador doesn't choose his assignment, it's given to him or her. An ambassador goes on behalf of their nation or king or president. They represent the authority of their nation. So do you. You represent the authority of Jesus Christ. That means when they see you at school, you're a representative of Jesus Christ. That's what they see in you. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ in all of your words, in all of your ways, in all of your thoughts, in your manner, in your demeanor. You show it by the way you live. We are ambassadors for Christ. Listen to this. As though God were making an appeal through us. You see, somebody is going to hear your words. They may never read the Bible about Jesus but they might listen to your words. As though God was appealing through us, we beg on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And I've asked this church, I'm going to ask you again. Have you ever begged anybody to be saved? Have you ever got before them and begged them to be saved? Well, if you really believe that when people die without Jesus Christ, they spend eternity separated from God in eternal death, death that never ends in a place called hell. There'd be a lot more pleading going on for souls. Not just before God, oh, I'm praying for them. No, I, it's not saying that. It's saying as though we are begging on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, that's what we do as representatives of Christ. We beg people to be saved. We beg them to be saved. Because we know what happens to those who are not saved. 
Believers are sent into the world with a gospel sharing ministry. Go back to verse 18. Look at verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Now all things are from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Praise God. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're about bringing people to God. We're about bringing people to Christ. We don't do the saving. We do the introducing. Have you met the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about someone who's changed my life. Let me describe, this is what I used to be like, and then I met Jesus Christ, and this is what's changed in my life. We introduce them. We have been given a ministry. Everyone in this room who is a believer, you have the same ministry I do. It is this common ministry, the foundation of what we do as a church. We have a gospel sharing ministry. We share the gospel. What is the gospel? It is Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised the third day. Praise God and ascended to heaven and is coming again. This is what we share. And then, oh, one more thing. Verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. When you get down to it, what's the word? What did our dear friends just sing today? Jesus, the name above all names. I love because some of you have reported back to me what you've been doing in sharing the gospel with people. Thank you for texting me. It encourages me. One was sharing with me the other day how uh, he is determined that in every time he shares with someone, he's going to talk about Jesus Christ. And he described how different it's been, the response of people. Some didn't even know who Jesus Christ... I'm talking about now people in the United States of America who live in Middle Tennessee in the Dixon area. They didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. Who is that? You say, what? Doesn't everybody know who Jesus... Are you living under a rock? Have you lost consciousness? Are you Rip Van Winkle? Were you asleep and you just woke up? There are many who do not know who Jesus... They've lived in family history with no background, no awareness, no Bibles, and no God. We must tell them, listen, the word of reconciliation is this. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus can be saved. You must speak the name of the Lord Jesus to your friends. I promise you, when you speak the name of the Lord Jesus, there is power in His name. And if people are affected by it and drawn to it and curious about it and attracted, this is how we share the gospel. It's not that you have to have this long speech and you say, well, wait a minute, let me get my paper out here and I'll try to tell you all the points. Heavens, no. Put your papers away. Share the word of Jesus Christ now. He's changed your life. This is what we must do. Because we are representatives of Jesus Christ. Are some of you sitting rather than going? Have you repeatedly had that call from that person that you seem like you cannot get off of your phone? They seem to bother you all the time. Then you need to go see that person. You need to talk to that person. You need to call that person. And you need to speak to them the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His representatives. 
I am here to represent Jesus Christ until I am dead. If you're a Christian, you're here to represent Jesus Christ on this world until you're dead and gone to heaven. You see, he who wins souls is wise. You want to know who's wise in here today? Lots of us pride ourselves on our wisdom. We think we're pretty smart. We think we got it down. We know a lot of Bible. Why? We preach it. We teach it. We understand a lot of things. We've got a lot of wisdom. But he who is wise wins souls. He who is wise knows that the only way the only way that the glory of God is seen is in others coming to Jesus Christ. And you see, there is, for some reason, as you look at those great rewards that are given to us as we go to heaven, you see the great reward, there is this crown that is given to those who, are, who lead people to Christ. This shows us the value heaven places on leading others to Christ. Who will stand with you in eternity as yours that you bring, saying, Lord, these are those that I have shared the gospel with, and they have trusted Christ. You say, Pastor Mike, that can't be me. Why can't it be you? There will be many unnamed, unknown believers from all of history who will stand with great groups of people because they went to their one and they shared the gospel. And that one shared it with another. And they shared it with their families. And they shared it with their grandchildren. And their grandchildren shared it with their great-grandchildren. And it went on and on and on. So what do we remember today and do? Well, eternal life comes as we believe that Jesus Christ has been sent by God. The Lord Jesus came into the world in complete obedience to God the Father who sent him. Are you obeying God? The Lord Jesus has sent you. Go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel to the world. Are you doing it? Are you speaking for him? Every believer sent on mission, gospel mission, as we live for Christ in the world. And believers speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus who sent them wherever they go to the praise of the glory of His grace. I remind you today, dear friends, that the Lord Jesus is near the door. He is near to the door, and we pray, come, Lord Jesus.